0: Season 2, episode 10. And it's 2023 and it's the second show of the new year. Hope you have settling into the new year as much as we all are here. And I'm delighted my guest this week, he's all the way over from the UK. Well, he's from Cork, but he's been over for the Christmas. So I've caught him just before he heads back to London. Of course, I'm delighted to be joined by James Orr. How are you doing, bud?
1: I'm good. Thanks, Pierce. Happy New Year.
0: Yeah, Happy New Year. Welcome in. Delighted to yeah. have you on. Thank you, yeah. Eventually. We've spoken about this oh, yeah. in season one.
1: <laughs> yeah, really, really delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me. How are you getting on, bud? How's your trip home been from the big city of London? It's been good, yeah. I've really enjoyed it. I've, I've actually gotten to spend um, a bit longer here uh, this time around, which is nice, uh, especially after two years of COVID mm. and kind of more sporadic visits home. Uh, so it's been nice. I got COVID about two days before <laughs> Christmas, so I was uh, I was isolating for, you know, Six or seven days um, But yeah Thankfully it was, was In a warm bed In a, in you know, my yeah. bedroom for the, for the few days And so you said to me actually
0: That you You didn't do anything You don't normally do You read a lot And played your guitar
1: That was it man It was kind of It was kind of a dream It was like self-imposed Isolation Because I think around Christmas Because it's like Such a quiet time I think I had the tendency To feel a little guilty If I'm like you know A little bit more Off the pace So mm-hmm. uh, I think this was Kind of like Not just Chill out, and in the end, I got to do all the stuff I like, which is do a bit of writing, a bit of reading, watching some shows. So, so you're nice yeah. and
0: relaxed, and you're ready to face London. I am,
1: very zen for uh, 2023 in <laughs> <and> the big <laughs> smoke.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. So now, James, I invited you in to chat about the four songs that you've written that are most personal to you, and I'm really excited to hear the stories behind your songs. Now, the first one that you've chosen is An Attempt at Momentum. Mm. And why did you pick this one?
1: Um... I think like th- th- this song was, it- it's a very personal song to me because it like, like a lot of my songs actually it was kind of, I wrote it and thought I don't know will that be anything and then it ended up on the album but I think it was like it was a big exploration of kind of like my own opinion of myself I suppose and like um, what I, like the expectations that I kind of have from myself. I think I'm like someone that has always kind of had Quite low self worth. Okay. And uh, the the story behind the song is that I, I had this job that I that I really enjoyed, but was probably a bit out of my depth then. And long story short, I like one one day I made a a mistake in this job. Like in the grander scheme of things, not not a very big mistake, but at the time it felt like the end mm. of the world. Mm. And. Um, I uh I, I like met with the guy I was working for and we had a we had a drink and I was just trying to convince him not to not to sack me and not to not to get rid of me and uh, and we sat down and we had the first drink and I kind of like you know you know stayed in my case to try and convince this guy as to why I was worth keeping on which was like looking back kind of funny because I think I think I actually. Didn't think I was worth keeping on myself at the okay. time, you know. But I was kind of just trying to, you know, trying to hedge my bets and chance my arm. And and I, I don't think I was convincing him. And I said, "Okay, look, I, I get it. I haven't, I haven't won you around. That's fine. Let's have another drink and let's just let's keep chatting." And uh, and we did that for about another six hours. <laughs> and that cycle just repeated itself. And I threw the kitchen sink at it. And I was just like, um, "Did you keep the job?" I did keep the job. Oh, yeah, really. yeah. But I um I I remember like I mean we 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 ended up you know drinking and chatting until about six or seven o'clock in the morning and I like walked out onto the street in Cork on this lovely big like sunny morning and I got into the car and my girlfriend came in to to pick me up and take me home and I just like burst into tears because it was just like this huge release of energy I just felt completely spent and um I went home and went to bed and I woke up and I just kind of had this like I kept like feeling this imagery of um like, you know, good and bad and, and night and day. And so I started writing the song and I kind of was like thinking, you know, the line that kept coming to me was, was what a day to burn a bridge because it just felt, oh man, you know, it's like, is this it? Is this mm. the is this the end of the road? In, in and this, it's written in, in the stars
0: as well, you say, when it's written in the stars and the stars. Yeah. I think, you felt like it was fate, did I th- you?
1: I think so. And I think that like that chorus is kind of my inner voice speaking to me it was kind of like look I, I always told you you would never you, you'd, you'd screw it up at some point or you'd, you'd mess up at some stage and I think that's like the song itself is me kind of trying to go against that voice a okay. little bit maybe a little half-heartedly but yeah just a reflection on like you know the like how, how, I, how I've often thought of myself and how I've okay. often thought of like my own kind of contribution to the world I suppose
0: Okay well we'll have a listen to the song and then we'll come back and we'll chat some more Okay, James Orr is my guest this week and this is the first song that he's chosen. It's called An Attempt at Momentum.
2: When will the sun grant us the leave to mumble half-hearted apologies and learn how to say please This whole thing, it seems so innocent. What a day to burn a bridge. You can say I didn't warn you that this would happen when it's written.
0: Absolutely love it. I love the line. It seems we're poets of the midnight hour, the mornings holy drunk.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's about that's about drinking for six hours. And you know, it's that kind of feeling, you know, when you've had a few drinks and you feel like you could just wax lyrical about anything. Mm. And then you wake up in the morning, you're like, Oh my god, okay. did I actually <laughs> can I actually say
0: that? But you know what though? And and and, it's, and it always amazes me because you know, as I always say, when you write a song. You're ultimately putting your innermost thoughts and feelings about things and you're putting it out there. And, and you're somebody who you said would have struggled about your own self-worth. Hmm. So how much of a, a 360 is this, that you're somebody who struggled about your own self-worth, yet you have the confidence to sing about it and put it out there?
1: It's a really great question. I think, to be honest, like, singing has always been, like, a form of, of, like, expression. I think, like, I've learned more recently that I'm actually more of an introverted person than Mm. I've ever kind of thought of myself a being. And singing is just a way where I think you you, you can really be yourself. You know, you can really just put your own thoughts on a page. And I think it's probably... Not so much judge, that's probably the wrong word, but like it's, it's in a very specific context and people, people understand that it's like it's a form of art and it is specifically a form of expression. So I think people and listeners will give you more airtime in that way. And I think like, I don't know what I ever say that I'm like a confident singer as such. But I do think it's like, you know, I found it like to be very important for my own well-being and my mm. own mental health. And I feel like writing and and being able to to say that out loud and sing it out loud, I think it's just, it, it, for me, it's the way that I communicate with the world best.
0: And when you're on stage, is it the place where you feel most comfortable, James?
1: Depends on the night, to okay. be honest. Yeah, some, okay. some nights I feel like I could absolutely change the world. And then some nights it's just about... A process of you know quieting that voice who is a panicker you know that voice is a panicker it's a worrier it's like it's always looking for the next thing to go wrong and so sometimes it's it's more of a back and forth and it's more negotiating with that voice and convincing them hey this is a safe space this is like you know this is this is really good and then trying to use that energy to to bring an audience into into the world of the songs that you've written yeah what a struggle
0: you're on stage you're performing to a room full of people who have no idea of the struggle that's going on in Mm -hmm. your head in the midst of the gig
1: yeah yeah and and i I think it's probably more more of a common thing with singers and people that write mm. lyrics because as I say like lyrics are very personal they've they've come from from your your soul essentially and I think that that's probably like you know i think a lot of singers probably probably have have that kind of um similar experience but mm. it's also i think i've like i think I've come to understand that that voice more and mm. now it's a lot it's a lot easier to Sort of just you know quieting it down and say, hey, this is all okay. This is this is what we're meant to be doing. We came here on on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in terms of like a three hundred and sixty, I think that's been great because I think it's been it's been very therapeutic to like understand my my own thinking habits mm-hmm. and like more importantly like my thinking errors and then trying to relate to myself better as an artist and as a person.
0: Yeah, and I guess sometimes too, it's about making that voice your friend rather than being Absolutely. afraid. Yeah. And once he's your friend. It's you can really negotiate better, like
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think I think ultimately that voice is your friend because I think it does sometimes. I hear you know that that inner voice saying things to protect you and and that that are ultimately very good advice. But I think as I say, it's a you know it's a catastrophizer. It mm. it thinks that like the worst is going to happen, and so it's kind of relating to that person like you like you would any anxious person in your life, and just saying okay, the answer isn't to just tell this voice hey, calm down, get better. It's like meeting it at its level and mm. saying okay. We we are because we are the same person, you know. Yeah. It's you know it's the same it's it's the same soul in 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 one body. It's just figuring out how to how to speak to one another.
0: Now you said that singing has always been your thing. So let's go way back to the beginning. What was it that got you into music in the first place? Did you grow up in a
1: musical household? Um, no, none of my family are musicians. But my my mother especially was was very encouraging with introducing me to new music. And like both my parents were incredibly encouraging in terms of like you know getting me started and getting me to you know take guitar lessons and, and, and learn how to how to play my instrument Was it, it something that you had expressed an interest in? <laughs> or was,
0: was it something that they as most parents did forced upon you?
1: I, I, I No no I, they were it was never something that was, that was forced upon me I literally it was, it was quite um quite impulsive I had just started being friends with an incredible folk songwriter who you probably know called Emma Langford Yeah um, and she's amazing incredible. She was
0: on this way back when Yeah yeah she's just
1: one. I mean just an incredible songwriter and an incredible person and mm. we we had like, met as teenagers and we had stayed in contact and become pretty close and I was going up to her house for a visit one time and we passed what was then Crowley's um, down on McCurtain Street yeah. and uh, my 12 or 13 year old self thought, how cool would it be if I could, by the time I got to Emma's house in two weeks, if I knew how to play guitar and how to, how to, how to, how to like sing songs. How, that would be great. I said to my dad, I want to buy a guitar not knowing that it takes a lot longer than two weeks to to become a proficient musician. And my dad, like, in in his, like, you know, he's a very pragmatic guy, and he said, look, I'm not buying you a guitar today, but if you're serious, we'll go in and we'll put a deposit on it and you can have it for Christmas. And Mm. that kind of, like, built up that, that kind of feeling of excitement then because I thought, oh my God, Christmas, I'm going to get the guitar and I'm going to be able to start playing songs. I'm going to be able to start playing music. And and that's kind of where it began. And from there then, I think like once you, once you hand someone a guitar and you you, you just let them off with it, I think... It's magical, it kindred itself.
0: souls connecting. So young, you and Emma, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. neither of you knowing <laughs> where the future lay for you. Yeah, and I mean, you're yeah. you're in London. You've just released your debut album. Mm. You know things are going well for you. Emma's career is flourishing. Who'd yeah. have thought,
1: eh? It's quite incredible. Yeah, that kind of that synchronicity is um is is quite something. And yeah, like I I I'm I'm so grateful for my my friendship with her. She's she's an incredibly introspective and uh, and thoughtful person, and I've I've learned a lot from watching her growth and also just from. From getting to be her friend,
0: yeah, yeah. And what kind of music were you into then, growing up, James? Who influenced you? In tune?
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, I think I started with like, uh, I, 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 the thing that jumps to mind the most is buying um the Teenage Dirtbag single. Okay, um, yeah, what a tune! Yeah, what yeah, a tune. Yeah, and then like very random stuff I remember did why Did you see them when they played in Cork? I did In uh, I I literally lived around the corner from I think it was Sober Lane Yeah at the how time. weird yeah, was I, that? I was like I can't not go to this gig Of course and, you know, It was four or five doors up and uh, yeah so there was Weedus and then um, Nirvana were huge Nirvana were kind of like they came along literally as at the time that I was starting to, to play guitar okay. and uh, I started listening to them and they were unlike anything I'd ever heard before they were just like a, a deeper a deeper kind of level of songwriting and um, then You know, I kind of followed the path down through like, you know, Pearl Jam and and Soundgarden all the way through to like the bands that I kind of listened to. Yeah. And then my mum would, every Christmas would buy me two or three CDs of artists that I had never heard. So like T-Rex and the Eagles and God, who else? I mean, Simon and Garfunkel, you know, these, these kind of, these huge legends that I, mm. I don't think in my in, in my teenage years I would have come across organically. And, and that was really helpful. Aren't mean,
0: parents great that way? Incredible. And I think it's wonderful when we, <laughs> you, you get to know your parent on a different level when you start engaging in the music that they listen yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, that's a I really think, because you, you, you can, and especially if you're into music, like you are. Yeah.
1: You you kind of look at them differently, I imagine. Mm, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. You because you you always think of your parents as like um, get up,
0: go to school, do this, do yeah. that, wash the
1: dishes. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you got to realize they're people too. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and that they they were like were once the same age that you were, and they mm. like you know they listened to to the the bands of the time, and like um like I'll always be grateful for um for finding Queen through my mm. parents. Like Queen are one of my favorite bands, and like I I remember the first time I heard. We were Rock You I, rem- I every time I hear it I get transported back to the living room that I was in and just hear it, I, like turning to my mom and going what the hell is that and she's like oh that's Queen that's Freddie Mercury and um yeah, going down a rabbit hole with that then and then... Isn't
0: that the magic of the music going... It yeah. was Fred Durst said it and, I've, and I'm thinking, Not that I think, I know I've said it on this podcast <laughs> a few times. But what Fred Durst said is music has that ability that nothing else has. Hmm. It freezes time and when you hear that song on the radio and it transports you back to that moment. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful.
1: so true. So true. It's a really, really good way of... Um of, of phrasing it,
0: and I often wonder. You know, I get on buses because I listen to headphones all the time. Mm. Because all I do is listen to music. Yeah, right yeah, on. I love it, and I'm obsessed with it, as as you know, as you are yourself. Yeah, yeah. But I often wonder when I get on a bus and I'm listening to the tunes I like, and I look at a busload of people who've also got headphones on, and I think to myself, "There's nobody actually here on the bus. They're here physically." But
1: they're all wow.
0: they're all at somewhere in some memory stopped in time from their past listening, and it's brought them back.
1: That's a really beautiful sentiment, you know. That's really good. Do you find yourself going that place as well when oh, you're on the bus? You go all back into the, the time. Yeah. I, I
0: go up to that. I'm walking down the streets in the '80s, man, listening to music. You know, <laughs> that's or you know, I'm always transported. Yeah, back Yeah, it's to, it's
1: quite incredible, isn't it? Because when I hmm. listen to bands like if I'm walking around London now and I'm listening to bands like um, like Bob Dylan or the Beatles or, or even Queen, I'm like. I'm suddenly imagining what London was like at that time when the music was made, and incredible. I like, obviously wasn't Most around at friends. that time. But yeah. I was just like, wow, this was the same city where you know, you know, people like Freddie Mercury and people like John Lennon just you know walked around, and yeah. I was like, wow, this is this is incredible. And you're right, music just does have that incredible like um, sort of transcendental kind of like yeah. capability, doesn't yeah. it?
0: Yeah. Oh, it's oh. Wonderful, wonderful. The line I also love, and it's in the chorus, and as you said, it's you talking to that voice. Mm. You can't say I didn't warn you that this would happen when it's written in the stars, in the stars. You can't say I didn't warn you that this would happen when it's written in the stars. Mm -hmm. It's
1: just, wow. Thank you. That's really, really kind of you.
0: You know, it's deep, man. (laughs) it's deep and when will the sun grant us the leave to mumble half-hearted apologies or learn how to say please was that when you left at 6 in the morning
1: yeah it was kind of just like you know i i think in a way i remember like the the sense of relief when i came out i was like okay it's 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 over and like you know ultimately there was a, there was a happy ending it was great but i just remember being like when like being there and talking, just constantly just talking, 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 trying to not let a silence occur and thinking, My God, when is this gonna be over? When is mm. there gonna be that kind of um that closure? And yeah, that's where that line comes from.
0: Okay. The second song that you've chosen is called In Your Praises. Mm. Why did you choose this
1: one? Uh it's it's um the I think it's the the third track on all the beds we've been in. And um it's one of the more unusual songs of mine because it was it was very fresh when I first played it live I'm normally someone that like works over songs and, and kind of gets them into a place where I'm like really happy with them before uh, or at least I was I don't really do that so much anymore but with this song I had started seeing someone and um, had had fallen pretty hard for her and uh, I remember just like instantly thinking oh my god this is like. I feel like I'm going to screw this up. I feel like I'm going to do something so that this won't last. And Inner voice again. Yeah, just that inner voice kind of again being like, oh my God, just make sure you don't like watch the landmines and everything's a landmine. Mm. So I remember getting like, feeling very, very anxious and sort of very like, um, like again, it felt very kind of doomsday-esque. And so I, I like woke up one morning, it was actually the day we were headed up to Dublin to play Whelan's and I was up before everyone else in the house and I just started writing these these lyrics, and I said to myself, "Okay, I need to take my mind off this somehow. So whatever happens, whatever state the song is in, you're going to play it tonight at Wheelands, even if it's like not finished. You're just going to play it." And so that kind of like took me out of myself, and it like it helped me to focus on the song and just write the lyrics. And and that's what I did. And um, yeah, it's a song again, like you know, just sort of about anxiety and trying to quiet that voice. Okay, yeah. sure, we'll have a listen let's, to let's it. Do it yeah. We'll have a listen, and we'll
0: come back and we'll chat some more. This is in your praises. <laughs>
2: Changes and gave purpose to these godless bones. Surely there'll be other places for us to build our houses on. If you see me and your heart beat raises your praises If you see me
0: started today we rang the changes and gave purposes to these godless bones and it has that feel of being written at six in the morning when no one else is up oh do you think so
1: mm. that's really nice to hear mm. yeah yeah it was one of those yeah it was, it was quite a solitary writing process um but it was nice it felt very cathartic it was kind of because that that line was when i woke up i just said okay no more worrying now no more i'm just gonna just gonna just start the day and go on from there
0: And if you see me and your heartbeat raises, keep me in your praises.
1: Mm, Yeah. It's a line, I guess, about, like, you know, like saying, look, if, you know, if this all comes to an end tomorrow, maybe you'll just remember the good things. You know, maybe you'll hold me in in good stead. Um, So, yeah.
0: Okey dokey. And how did that gig in Whelan's go And How did the song... Turn out.
1: <laughs> yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the song, you know, like kind of um grew over the years. The gig itself was great. Um I think I probably <laughs> messed it up in certain points and didn't play it fully, but that was kind of again just the it was just giving it out into the world and just being like, Okay, it's not something now that's in my head. It's it's there and it's real. And I think from there then it became like it became something that was gonna be worked on and gonna be um it's just going to be developed. Um, and in terms yeah, when of it,
0: you write a song, right? I mean, you, you wrote mm. the song, obviously, when you wrote it, it was a lot more basic because it was just you and a guitar, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But did you have the vision that this is how it was going to be? Is this how you wanted it to be? Um, or is it something that you worked on in the studio with Christian?
1: I think it was sort of like a mix of, of working with the band before we, we started the sessions. And then what Christian did with a lot of the songs on the album is that he was he was really able to kind of help them grow up a little bit. So we went in and he kind of took out a few like the, the stop starts that were in there and just gave it a bit more of a heartbeat and a bit more of a rhythm to it and just a, a flow. And then... From from there then it kind of, I, I think this was the, the tone that I was always looking for. But um, like Christian, I'm sure you've had like so many musicians saying but Christian Best's ear and his, his eye for for detail is just like, it, it's incredible. So as,
0: as I said to you actually, I said it to you off record earlier mm-hmm. uh, or off mic earlier, the amount of people that I've had on this podcast that have gone through Christian, the amount of people that I've interviewed on the radio that have gone through Christian,
1: Yeah,
0: I've never met him. And I look forward to the day when I can sit down, Mm -hmm. either have a pint or a cup of tea with him and just chat music. Yeah. Yeah. Because his. Oh my God, his mind is just genius Incredible. to me. Yeah. And, and it's all different genres. It's not that he's he's working on one genre. It's all different genres of yeah. music. Yeah.
1: And actually, I'd love to hear a conversation between the two of you, two incredibly knowledgeable people about <laughs> music. And I'm like, a bluffer. Know. He's actually knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I talk a good fight. <laughs> That's all you need. He brings it. He yeah, brings yeah. it. Yeah. So you're now based in England mm-hmm. you, and you made that move a couple of years ago. And yeah. what was it that spurred that move for you?
1: I think, to be honest, I was just ready to to try living somewhere different. Um, and myself and my partner, who the In Your Praises is about. That's what um, I, was yeah. <laughs> to, I was going to get to that at some sorry stage. To, yeah, sorry to break the... Um, no, well, that's to, good, to kill though. The, um, she book. is
0: keeping you in her praises. She huh? is, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, we, we just... Um, I think we decided we wanted to move somewhere. We didn't really have anywhere in mind. And... Uh, she had family over there so we just said do you know what we'll start in London let that be the jumping off point if it's not for us we can go somewhere else mm. um, but we're we're in a different city and we can go from there and um, yeah we just ended up staying there and over time just got more comfortable with the city and found our little nooks and crannies that like you know made it feel like home and, What parts uh, of London are you in? I'm in Tooting uh, okay. in southwest. yeah which is uh, where we've been the whole time we moved in with um uh, with Grace's uh, sister and her brother-in-law when we first moved there and uh, probably overstayed her welcome a tiny bit. Um, but we were there for a few months and then we moved somewhere else in Tooting. And to be honest, it's like it's always felt it's always felt like home. There's a big Irish population in, okay. in Tooting. And,
0: uh, Does that help leaving? Because, you know, in Cork, we think it's the centre of the universe and there's nowhere <laughs> like it. But we obviously all have to sometimes, some people make the choice to move on yeah, for yeah. whatever reason. Does it help that you go to somewhere where there is such a huge Irish community? Is 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 your Irishness more important to you now that you're not here than when you were here?
1: Yes, I think so. I think it's definitely more important. I don't know why, though. I mm. find myself kind of like defending it a bit more and kind of like being a bit more proud to be Irish than I was um, when I leave. But I guess you probably take, like you, you you look for familiarity. You look for a bit of sense in, in places that are... are more uncertain. And yeah, when you go to when you go to London and uh and you meet someone that's like, you know, from from down the road, you know, it instantly it's like cuz cuz London is like it's a wonderful city, but it, it is very it's so big and like it's it's harder to build very intimate relationships because because of that because, you know, People live so far from one another, even though it's only, you know, six miles maybe in terms of like as the crow flies, it like it's harder to get to people. And so it's less of a thing of oh, we just go for a point there because it becomes twelve
0: more, tube journeys.
1: Yeah, yeah. You gotta meet in the middle somewhere, you yeah. gotta find a place, and you're usually going somewhere that you're not familiar with. So to meet in the middle, it's not like you're like, Oh yeah, Pierce, let's go for a point and we'll go to Collins or we'll go to the old oak. It's like, Oh yeah, well, we go to like you know, somewhere like Shoreditch. And and I'll like, see you in
0: four days. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll camp
1: out then. <laughs> um so yeah, it's it's an amazing city and having like having an Irish presence there is great there's an incredible guy over there who called Joe who runs the Irish Creatives Collective and he he's like sort of brought like a lot of Irish people together okay. um, who are specifically like you know working in the arts or interested in working in the arts and that's like you know a really great place to kind of bring your bring your work and show it to people and also just find new people and it's actually when you see Irish talent in the context of a big city like London that you're just like Irish talent is really like it's 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 one of a kind. It's mm. it's just incredible. Like you know, we we really do have just like an immense amount of talent coming from this country. I know we're a small island, and I know that like you know, as you say, somewhere like Cork might feel like the center of the universe, but we we really do have a lot to be proud of on the on the world scale as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we punch up our weights mm. in, 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 in not only no, in music, absolutely. but you you look at all our successful sports stars, yeah, all yeah. our actors. Everything, we really, really do punch above our waist. Uh, But I sometimes wonder, obviously you made the move over, but you also made the move over with your music in mind. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we we come from a city which is a hotbed of talent and Mm -hmm. I sometimes wonder as a city, do we ignore that talent or do we take it for granted?
1: Yeah, I'd say we definitely do. You know, because you go to gigs.
0: I've gone to some fantastic gigs here in Cork with four people Yeah. and there's been some fantastic artists on the stage Mm -hmm. and you feel it for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. you know you really
0: do, yeah. but you also feel I, I I sometimes get a little irritated then thinking people are missing out on this. It's on your doorstep. You know mm. you whinge and moan about wanting to see this and see that, and here it is. It's free. Yeah, and yeah. you're not
1: bothered. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It it is a shame, and I think you you've hit the nail on the head. You know, and, I'm sure. and
0: so now you're in London. What's the gig scene like over there? Is you know how different is it to here? Is it better? You know, as eight million people, I'd like to think. Gigs are better attended. How is it? How? What's the scene like?
1: I th- yeah. I think there's more of a there's more of a like um, a casual interest in just going to find like live music and see live music. And I think like people are are willing to just head out for an evening and go to a night or sit in a bar and just listen to an act they've never heard mm. of before. And I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily characterize it as as being better. But I think like you're absolutely right. I think considering you know the size of the city that Cork is and where it is in the world, mm. we do have like an insane amount of talent. It's amazing. Here. And I think in a way we yeah, we probably do overlook it a little bit, I
0: think. Yeah. And and I mean I'm not being critical of Cork. No, Far no, it's from just, it. No, no. I just no. think it's a shame. Yeah. yeah you know, and, yeah. and here you are somebody who is part of that talent pool. <laughs> You've gone to London and this guy, Joe, is it? Yeah. Yeah, you know what he's doing, and it must be amazing for you as an artist to be going in and people from all different walks of life mm-hmm. and genres. Yeah. But we're off in the same country, and it's like wow,
1: that's... Yeah, Joe O'Neill. Are by we the way. deadly? Is aren't we? his name I should give as well. Joe yeah, O'Neill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Way to go, Joe. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and I, I wonder as well—is it just like you know? Do you just do you just need to to be in a in a in a bigger city maybe to experience it? But yeah, as you say, it's not not about being. Um, critical it's like it's actually an amazing thing to realise because I think you and I between us could probably in in a minute rattle off 50 bands from Cork that we think could be global superstars I think we just need to be more aware of that
0: I've always thought that Cork should be the next Seattle the next mm. break
1: oh wow yeah
0: You know, I've That's always I've all, and, and even in the days when I was involved in management and I was managing mm. bands and I always believed then that you know why shouldn't Cork be the next Seattle mm. who says it can't be Yeah. I mean the people yeah. in Seattle couldn't get over what happened when it happened there mm. but I just think this hotbed of talent here at some stage something is going to explode yep. and I think the yep. whole world is going to I know the world looks at Ireland anyway and you too, and even before that Phil in it, and mm. even before that what's his name uh, God if my mama told me there'd be days like this Oh by Mars you know all these guys mm. started knocking on the door but it's the mm. cracks are even bigger now but yep. I'm, I'm waiting for the world to suddenly go oh my God
1: yeah, yeah, I, I hope it happens. I really hope it happens because the second that the world like descends on Cork, everything's already here. And I think like, you know, when you see a conference like Music Cork or you go to like Independence Festival who uh, that has always been incredible for supporting like local artists, you're just like, we are not, short of it, you know, in, in every genre, like, you know, Jack O'Rourke, Rowan, oh. Sarah Ryan, I could go, I could literally take up the next hour just naming acts that I think on a global level could, could, as you say, punch with the heavyweights. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll just, we'll have to see what happens.
0: Shane Dunn is a man that's been very good to you over the years, Incredibly isn't he? Very supportive.
1: Me. Oh my God, so good to me. I think like Shane really kind of picked me out of um, like a, a, a place when I really needed like a mentor and he was he was just incredible to me. He always, like he has, he has really supported my music. He has really encouraged me to kind of you know keep at it he, he said to me something a few years ago which has really stuck with me he said look Jim there'll always be a slot for you at Independence he's like I don't think you should take it though he was like mm. you know you should you should be trying to go other places you shouldn't just be taking a gig because someone is, is willing to give it to you he's like you should go and fight for the ones where it's a little bit harder to get and that has just always stuck with me and he has always just been a level champion of mine I think so yeah I think like I always that's something that I've always tried to keep in mind Um, and I think like I think I've I've like you know I think that was part of the move to London was to kind of challenge myself because I wanted to go into a city that was as big as it was that literally is you know as you say it's a city of 8 or 9 million people
0: Always strikes me when I'm there every time Mm. it's like holy god the amount of people
1: Yeah it's funny watching it now as someone who's more settled in London when someone comes over from, from Ireland they're like whoa this is like this is really intense and it absolutely is um, and once you get used to it it's like you, you just learn to navigate it a bit more but I think when I got there I was just like okay well let's like, let's go out and, and, and give it a go. I found it really hard to come back and finish the album. Mm. I think if I could do anything differently I think that was tricky to to come back and be finishing the album and keep the momentum going there.
0: And I mean it was an album that was ready to go just as the vid hit
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 It was literally. <laughs> We're trying to
0: say words now because I don't want to say the c word ever again. It
1: should be censored on radio. I think. Yeah. I think for for our own collective uh, collective PTSD. sanity. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but it was something that was ready for a while, but you held on to it, eh?
1: Yeah, it was really weird. It was very strange because I was in a good a good run of like um, momentum with uh, like we finished the tracks and I was like, great, okay, well in the next few weeks now we're going to get it mixed and we'll get it mastered and it'll, it'll be out by the summer and COVID hit and like London was a very, a, a very weird atmosphere when COVID first hit and I was kind of then stuck in the position of, okay, I've just gotten this momentum back to, you know, finish the album and get it out but, I, I at the end of the day, what what settled it for me was I like going out and meeting people, and I like going out and and sharing the music to a live audience. And I was like, if I'm not going to be able to do that, what's the point? Yeah, I think I'll just I'll just wait. And I saw people release albums and in, in during COVID and and do really well. It it just came down to a point of like, okay, it's just not for me. And did you do much of the online thing? Yeah, I did. A, I did a weekly like okay. uh, live session. I, which I, good I, fun.
0: I yeah, good fun, but it must be weird in that your interaction is comments.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I think it's like it, it's sort of a double-edged sword in that, like, that those comment sections are a way for people to connect with one another as well. People mm. who hadn't seen each other and they're seeing these people and they're they're replying to each other's comments, which is great, but also as well, isn't that the chatter in a pub that that's you're exactly telling to what shut it up? Is. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you're kind of you're you're caught in that conflicted place of like feeling grateful that you've got you know sixty or seventy people watching a live stream and then seeing the comments come the whole time. Um, see, it's very strange because you don't have that energy and that sort of. Um, that that kind of uh, I don't know what you'd call it, but just that presence in the room mm. um, that you do with a live audience. So you can't. There's nothing you, to feed off. No, no, and no one's used to it. No one's mm. used to to doing that. So you're you're right in the thick of it, getting used to it. But it was fantastic. It was great to be able to try out new songs. I set myself a challenge of writing a song. Uh, and and playing it each week, and if I if I slipped up on that, I had to play one of my really old songs from one of my teenage years. Okay. That I'd kind of been like, oh yeah, I I just put that under the rug, um, which was great fun. I did a thing called the um, the chosen ones, where I'd I'd put a question out each week and say, tell me about a song that you know that you you just dance. Like you know, aimlessly too, and like you know, give me a song that you go for when you're feeling down and stuff. And I would then pick one of those songs, learn it, and play it. So it was a great way to connect with people, um, and it was a great way to to build a new audience as well. Um, and then when I did the crowdfunder for the album, um, the response was just incredible. I think a lot of that came from you know a lot of people came back to me and said mm. you are our entertainment on Thursday nights in in lockdown and you know Close. i like i even played a a wedding off of it uh, two weddings off of it actually because they Close. said oh, that's when we decided our our ceremony music was when we were sitting watching your live stream and we said yeah he's the guy so it, it like so many positive that's unreal it.
0: and these would have been people you
1: didn't know right uh no they would are have been people, people I knew. You yeah yeah but yeah. um, still
0: to be asked to play their wedding is a huge deal incredible
1: ain't? yeah it's an incredible privilege and you know to learn to learn songs that like you know mean so much to them it's yeah it was so now a treat. Yeah, album is out though Mm, so how so how did that
0: feel getting that out and by the way the name all the beds we've been in Mm. What's, yeah. the, what's the story behind the name
1: it's not as it's not as dirty as it sounds are you assuming yeah. I was thinking <laughs> everyone does like what does that mean
0: but hey look at my podcast it's called Foreplay come yeah.
1: on <laughs> look at us with our double entendres dun, dun, dun. <laughs> they'll never know <laughs> um, yeah it's it's about, it's actually about like the life of a musician and like you know waking up in a different mood in a different place every day and, and just going at it um, I think like you know yourself working in the, art, the arts industry is like i guess less of what you would call like a um a consistent job it's like you're you're kind of constantly Trying to figure out new avenues and and new ways to be creative and um and be impactful and so it was just about that it's about all the experiences and all the all the different days you've woken up and and just gone to work and gone to do your thing
0: and just done life stuff yeah exactly and how's the album been received
1: really great yeah really well it's it's nice to have a, a like a physical thing to give to people and yeah we did like a UK launch in in the Bedford which is just like a, a really really incredible venue an iconic venue in London and then we launched it here in Collins which in and you were in Abbey Roads as well eh. I was. I got it mastered in Abbey Road. I oh, I, I chance my own. How
0: eye. iconic is that, man? Tell us that story.
1: Yeah, it, w- it was it was an incredible experience. I like when I was coming to getting the album um mastered, I was like thinking, okay, who will I who will I ask to do it? And when I started writing Cold Open, which was the EP before All the Beds We've Been In, I, I got seriously into into Blur. And I hadn't really been into them before, but I, I really, really fixated on an album called Modern Life is Rubbish. And like I love the story that really resonated with me I think like Blur were really at a stage where they were I think they were 60k in debt and they were kind of like everyone was telling them not to release this album and that like it was going to be artistic suicide and so something about that album just kind of like I was like wow they just they went and it became like this defining album of the Britpop era and so I got to like know a lot about the album and I found out that it was mastered by a guy called Frank Arkwright and when I came to master my own album I was like Wonder, Imagine it yeah, I was like, I wonder, like, I wonder where he is. I wonder, does he do like, you know, private sessions? Is he still at Abbey Road? And so I just sent Abbey Road an email, and I just said, look, you know, like, is Frank available for mastering? Expecting them to come back and say, yeah, it'll cost you a gazillion exactly. I'm like, well, look, that was a fun dream for ten minutes. Um, but they came back and they were unbelievably like receptive and and really um, generous with their time and their and their voice. And they the week before it was supposed to be mastered it got pushed back and they said look don't worry about it we'll still make your your deadline it's just Frank will do it and you just won't come into the studio I said I said no way I was like w- push it back and I'll come into the studio I was like I, I don't care if I like you know if I have to push it back a week if, if it squeezes the, the timeline a bit I don't care so uh, so we did that and then I um I, I like went into the studio and it was I went in in the morning and it was just I, I was like there the whole day and I was just like this in itself. If it ends today, if nothing else happens after this, like you know, you're in a room where where so much magic has been created. And Name
0: some of the people that sat in the room before you. Uh, in, uh,
1: in Obviously that room, the Beatles. Right? Yeah, the Beatles. You know, Queen, David Bowie. Wow. You know, countless people. You walk the you walk the halls, and it's just it's photo after photo. And uh, and Frank himself is like even just getting to chat with Frank was amazing. How was he? Was he lovely? He was just incredible. He was great. He's everything that you hope a guy that you sort of, like, idolise for so long to be. He, like, he was just chatting, and he, like, at one point he turned to me, and it was I, it was just an amazing moment. He was kind of listening. He's like, have you ever heard of Frank Turner? And I was like, yeah, man, I love Frank Turner. <laughs> Frank Turner's a huge influence. He's like, yeah, you've got a kind of Frank Turner vibe about you, because he's mastered all of Frank Turner's albums wow. as well. That's a nice and I comparison, was like, yeah. And I was just like, is this is actually happening. Am I sitting in this room talking to him about mastering, you know, the album that sort of has defined my music for the last few years, and then, you know, a guy who like who is who is known for his graft and just you know just just getting it done and uh, yeah it was a magical day I am I'm, I'm like will always be incredibly grateful to and you're also now
0: it. part of that history
1: yeah that's a really a really lovely thought yeah you know yeah
0: you sat in the places where your musical heroes yeah. sat and who knows in yeah. years from now there could be a kid <laughs> who comes over from Cork. Influenced by you And decides <laughs> I want to go That one hit to... wonder <laughs> But you never know
1: You don't And you that not that a beautiful thing Yeah you never know
0: Okay we move on To the third song That you picked James And it's called Safe and Sound mm. And why did you pick this one
1: um, This was a song That was on Cold Open Which is an EP I brought out in 2016 And it was one of the first songs That I wrote uh, For the EP I had basically been given the use of a room above a friend's warehouse here in Cork to basically just come up, sit and write for day in, day out and just get something together. And um, I was in a really good run of of writing and creativity and I was driving home one night and on the last last turn or so before home, this fox just like crossed in front of the road. uh, And it was just like, you know, Just this very cool image of like, you know, he was caught under like the amber streetlights and stuff and he just crossed the path and went, that's pretty cool, what a lovely image. Thought no more of it and then came home the next night and the same thing happened. I was like, how weird, that's so, that's so strange. And I sort of started thinking of this fox as like a very familiar character in my life for some reason. I'd just come out of a relationship that had just ended very quietly. Mm. You know, there was no big blow up. It's just, I think we got to the point where we realised we were now. Just out. Yeah, we just weren't on the same path and we were like, oh, okay, well, I guess that means we're just going to, we're going to end it here. And... Uh, I sort of started re- like relating that to the life of a fox. And I was like what, is a, how, like, what does a day in the life of a fox look like? What worries does a fox have? And like, you know, you think about it, you think it must be incredibly difficult for a fox to, you know, survive and thrive, you know, where like, you know, there's there's concrete everywhere and where there's, you know, building projects going on. There's cars whizzing up and down the road. And I sort of just like framed what was going on in my own life from from the point of view of this fox, and that's what the first line is about. It's you know, I, I felt
0: the fever as it circled the earth, yeah. and your hands wrapped around my neck from the day of my birth.
1: Yeah, I, I like looked, I, I started doing like a bit of research, and, uh, and earth is one of the names for where a fox lives, and so I kind of just thought of this idea of like, oh, okay, it's like, you know, it's this this foreboding almost, and this like this feeling of, you know, uncertainty and also possibility. Mm. Okay, we'll have a listen to it, and we'll come back and chat some more.
2: Mm.
1: I
0: felt the fever as it circled the earth
2: And your hands wrapped around my neck from the day of my birth Like a mark from an amber kiss I hear a loud sound on the roof of my house And I've had enough of this Be with duty, the burden resumes. Be the man to break your heart World renown
0: the drummer on that? Barry
1: Wilson. Oh man. Yeah. Oh man. An amazing musician.
0: And what you were saying as well, which is really cool and it comes across in his drumming, is that he's also a songwriter. So, Mm. as we were joking and laughing, he's not a drummer that's, I want to be heard. (laughs) He's a drummer who knows. What he doesn't do is as good as what he does do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's an amazing songwriter. His his own album is is, you know, is is a a beautiful piece of work. So yeah, when he was on the album, he's just like he, he knows how to give uh space to a song. I mean, we were talking about it earlier on during an attempt on at momentum, but mm-hmm. like there's just very impactful parts where he's he's just being very like thoughtful and very mm-hmm. measured and uh, yeah. Because
0: in that song it's from the middle eighth on that he kinda of takes over a yeah. little bit and it drives the yeah. song to another place. Yeah. Because you're kind of, you're being very thoughtful, I think, in the first part of the Mm, song. mm. But then when it comes into, I've broken your heart more than once and you've danced down a path you used to run, having kept you for anything that I needed. If I told you it's all for nothing, could you believe it? And it's like, boom. Mm. And it's just the drumming then. And then the the play out, what a feeling and what a resolution, baby. Mm -hmm. It's real. there's something anthem-y about it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, you could imagine people, it's the way to end a song, you know, the drums are driving it, but it's that, what, what you're repeating over and over and over again, what a resolution, baby, what a resolution.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it just shows his versatility as a drummer, that he can be, as you say, very, very pared back and just very kind of atmospheric with a lot of the drumming. And then he can just, he can crank up to sixth gear, mm, like, you know, like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like amazing to have had him on the track.
0: And I love the, the the line in the chorus, though I want to make sure that you are safe and sound. I'm going to be the man to break your heart, world-renowned. <laughs> Is that the kind of first love thing?
1: I think it's like, it's kind like. of, um, again, that sort of that sense of... Um when you're when you're in a relationship where you you have a lot of growth with the person mm. you're with and you just but you do and you, at some point in the back of your mind you've realized there's a there's a there's a sort of an end date to this mm. and um it's kind of being like look I I want to give you the world and I want to be the person that you're looking for but ultimately I don't think I, I don't am. think I am going to be and I don't think that's a mark on either of us I think it's literally just that at some point the paths will diverge and and you're going to go your way to happiness and I'm going to go mine and it's 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 sort of just that sense of like Um, knowing and wishing you also didn't know
0: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. it's it's a hard
1: one isn't it yeah 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 for sure you know
0: I think we've all been in that situation Mm. where you're with somebody and the writing's on the wall and you can see it yeah
1: that's spot on and you're like oh man
0: you know the right thing to do is say cheerio Mm. but nobody wants to break anybody's heart to them. no
1: no and I think like it's it's such a weird one it was I think it was probably the first kind of relationship of, of that kind where it had just it had just reached its point as you say the writing was on the wall and it was just so mm. oh, okay mm. that's 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 where we're at
0: now over the years you've shared stages with some amazing artists Frank Turner the Coronas Gavin James the Pogues Twin mm. Atlantic Grant Lee Phillips. Mm.
1: What were these experiences like? Oh, amazing! Yeah, just incredible. We like I was I was in a band called Suede Halo when I was a teenager, so we yeah, got I to play a lot of them, them. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so we got to do um, a lot of gigs, and, and at the time I was I was working in the Old Oak and, and Cypress Avenue, and uh and, and Joe were always incredibly good to us. They they used to give us slots for like you know bands that we were listening to at the time that were shaping our own music. Like Twin Atlantic would be one example of that. I remember the day we got the call saying, "Yeah, look, we need a support band for Twin Atlantic," and like we'd been in the studio writing and, and, and playing for ages. Like Twin Atlantic were the band that like, when we were going to gigs, that was the album that was on. I think it was Vivarium was the name of their their first album. and. Um to be able to go and meet them and then to like, you know, hang out with them. They were lovely dudes, really nice, nice people. I think that shapes like your your view of like of yeah, this is what I want to do. It's like it's like hanging out with a band like the Coronas and stuff. The Coronas are the exact same. They're just like, you know, it's like anytime you go onto a gig of theirs, it's like it's like going into their house. They're so welcoming and mm, they're so encouraging. They and are. so like getting to play with acts like that and getting to play on the stages that I've gotten to. Yeah, I, I think like it also felt like a little bit of a reward for just you know staying the road and 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 keeping on and, and having a bit of faith in yourself.
0: And of all these bands that you've played with, any standouts? I know you oh. you, you know you don't have to say it. they were all standouts, Pierce. Surely <laughs> there's one or two that you look and you go. They all have lovely bottoms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Surely there's one or two that you think,
1: yeah. Um, I think to be honest, the the times that I've gotten to play with the Coronas have have been. Just spectacular because I've never met a band that are so focused on their audience and just the way that they want to put together a show for their crowd is incredible. I've learned so much from them. And then you get to go and play gigs with them and you get to play like, you know, half an hour before them and. There's a lovely atmosphere around those show days in general, but then you see them play, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that's what you've got to aim for. That's what you've got to go for. That like attention to detail and like just the way they put together a show is like for for me a masterclass. And the way that they're able to to pack out a room and create memories for people is just like that's that's something absolutely amazing. And, um, and they're a band,
0: I think that as they're maturing, they're getting better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've like the latest all, yeah. the latest album. I, I always love when you put on an album and there's this kind of intro instrumental mm-hmm. track yeah. that is bringing, you know, it's kind of nearly dragging you on the journey yeah. with them. Yeah, and I remember yeah. when the album came out, I remember texting Danny and saying to him, I love the intro. It's welcoming us into the journey of your album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since then, I learned... That that's also the intro they were using at the start of the gigs for this tour, yeah, and yeah, it's like yeah. I love when a band does that. Yeah. All all the iconic bands I would have listened to down through the years at some stage done that.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I th- I think like they 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 really do just they use they they hit that on the head mm-hmm. so often, um,
0: and they're just so good to up and coming Irish bands, incredible. and I'm sure elsewhere yeah. around the world too they are. Yeah. But they're just yeah. They've never forgotten where they've come
1: from. Never. I've always said you could fill any stage of the Coronas go on ten times over with the acts they've supported and encouraged and and bigged up. Um, mm. You know, the Coronas finished their their shows every night by bringing on their support acts to sing I with know. them to play with so them. I them. Yeah. We got to do that one night um, in the INEC when I was playing with them and we were on stage with like Picture This and Gaffin James and Hermitage Green and again you're just like you're sort of like, you're just wondering, is this real? You're kind mm. of standing there going, man, who wouldn't want to do this for the rest of their lives? And, mm. you know, I'll, I'll always be massively grateful to them for all the uh, all the times they've given me a chance to, to play with them and to come along and see their gigs. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, yeah, in- incredibly lucky.
0: Now, you're over in London here. You moved over for life reasons, but you also moved over for music mm. reasons. Have you made the right choice, you think? I
1: absolutely have. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm incredibly certain that I have. Um I just I love the city. I love I love the the energy that's there. I love how it challenges me. Um, I think I think that's taken a bit of time. I think like you know we've had to we've had to sort of like work on that. But yeah, I think like I see myself there for for a good while longer. And Camden
0: is Camden as good as like I've I've been there to visit Mm -hmm. quite a lot of times. But as a musician, is Camden
1: still Uh, that wonderful romantic place of music? I think it is. Yeah, I think it's got such a such a big history of like you know of the kind of the underground scene and um, like there's so many great venues there like the Roundhouse um, and the Camden Assembly and stuff so I think it caters to to a lot of acts I think you can go from like there's a place called the Spiritual Bar that has a really great open mic night and they have like you know they have musicians in that will will play full sets like you know kind of throughout the week mm. then you've got like Camden Assembly which is probably another step up and then there's Roundhouse and you know so yeah it's it's like it's a fabulous spot there's a, there's a real vibe there for sure And
0: have you ventured outside of London have you been playing gigs elsewhere much in England?
1: I have yeah I had started doing it just before Covid I got to go to Bristol which was good fun I went to Manchester actually uh, earlier this year to play um, for the first time there, which is great. And there's a big focus this year now on on kind of spending a bit more time outside of London and you know just getting to see a bit more of the UK as a musician. Because I think yeah. I've done that as a as an individual, but like to go and just play and bring my guitar and share my songs um is, is a big focus. And how year.
0: are radio stations, are they receptive to new music over there? Is it kind of similar to here?
1: Um I, I, I think they are. Yeah, I think they are. I mean BBC Introducing is a really is a really great thing for artists. Um they let you submit your music kind of as often as you want really and they will send you a message saying yeah we've listened to the track this does I mean we'll play it, but we'll get back to you if if um if we do and if it's going to be played somewhere. And so I haven't been played on somewhere like BBC yet, but there's like there's local radio stations around me that have been very good to me. Oh, no. um, and it's like it's kind of it's about just striving, you know. Like as in you you get Dilden. that email saying, "Oh yeah, we've listened to it. We don't know if we'll play." it But and you're the like, fact they've listened to yeah, it, yeah. And you just go again. That's the thing is that like you just have to. You, all, I, I'm a big believer that all you have to just do is find that 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 kind of that moment where there's the big bang mm. and that comes i think that comes for everyone in everyone's life if we look for it um and so I'll just keep keep grafting keep grafting <laughs> okay
0: so the last song that you chose James was a song called September mm. why did you pick this one
1: ah uh, it's it's probably the most personal song out of um out of these uh these four it was the last track that I wrote for all the beds we've been in and in a way I think when I when I was starting to write it it was almost an afterthought I didn't have enough tracks to to finish the album so I needed to write something and September was one of the ideas that I came up with and and what was it that tinkered with that idea I was, was I was in a really kind of a really shite place mentally yeah. for, okay. for I, I had come home for a few days and I just wasn't feeling great just wasn't feeling myself and wasn't able to kind of ground myself and I sat down one morning and started writing these lyrics and and for some reason I was thinking it was about an old relationship and that I was just revisiting that and I'll often just sit down and write lyrics and and worry about what they're about after I'll just kind of let the things come out and Mm. you know put the context in later but in my mind I was like okay it's about this old relationship I wonder why I'm thinking about that and then I fleshed out the song and I was lucky to have Calvin Hansen who drums on my live shows kind of push me to finish it because again I was kind of like just you know Played it one day in a practice, and he's like, "What's that?" I was like, oh, it's just a it's just a song I'm working on, but I don't, you know I don't know if it's going to go anywhere." He's like, "No, let's work on it. Let's get it finished." And then we um we did a gig like the next night, and he was like, "We're going to play it. We're going to like we're going to play this song." No pressure. Yeah, and I was about to chicken out last minute. I like we were making it the set. and I was like, "Yeah, I, I just don't think we're going to play September." And he's like, "Not only are we going to play it, we're going to start with it," and that's what we did. <laughs> and um. So for I like his thinking. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's great. He's been amazing for, for my own music and um he's he's an incredible friend. But for a long time I thought it was about this, you know, this relationship and I was kinda of like, I wonder why I wrote about that. You know, I still still didn't really understand it. And then I went in to record it and I sort of had like this like Eureka moment is the only way I can kind of think of describing it, where I realised it actually wasn't about relationship at all. It was about the over my overall experiences with anxiety and with okay. depression. And it was only when I put the lyrics in front of me to, you know, have them there as a guide for when I was singing that I was like Ah, my old friend. That's it. And I think that's what you hear on the record is literally someone coming to like coming to terms and realizing, oh Christ, this is actually about something totally different. Um and so and it was a big turning point for me as well, because I don't think I'd ever really labeled what I'd been feeling as, as anything really. I just kind of was like, oh, yeah, it's just, it's this or it's that. Mm. Um, and I think with that song, then I finally got a better understanding of myself, which okay. was nice.
0: We'll have a listen to it, sure, and we'll come back and chat some more. And this is the last song that James has picked on this week's podcast. This is The Fantastic September. <laughs>
2: My bones in the harbor or on your father's land. Take a minute to remember me before I fall into the sand. Cause nothing comes close to the light you shone over my body. There's a freedom to your evenings now, you'll be better off without. came to stay for the weekend And get the best out of me To give me strength or give me patience Depends on what I need But we knew something wasn't right You and I are too fond of excuses And you need to be a better man Than I am to refuse This, oh, I have never seen you as high.
0: seen you as happy as the night that I released you <laughs> in the chorus and what we were saying actually while the song was playing like the first two verses it's almost like a conversation and you feel kind of chilled and mellow mm. and it's like you know you came to stay for the weekend and get the best out of me and then we go to verse three and it sounds a lot angrier where you're saying <laughs> well you came to stay for the weekend and made a mess out of me yeah.
1: I do love getting angrier in the uh, tail end of my socks. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, like I was saying, it, it for me, it's kind of like what your 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 kind of inner inner chatter can sometimes do for you. Sometimes it can just like make you really motivated. It can put you in a place where you just wanna, I don't know, for for lack of a better work, uh, word, fix something and mm-hmm. just you know just you know move on. And then other times it leaves you kind of thinking, I, I just don't know what's next or I don't know, you know, I don't know how to feel better. And so writing this song and I guess learning about what the song was about in that moment was, it, it like, it, it, it gave me a lot more compassion for myself and it made me, like, We're too hard on ourselves sometimes. 100%, yeah. And it made me realise if anyone else, like, spoke to me the way I sometimes have spoken to myself in the past. You'd have nothing to do with it Yeah, you'd just be like, man, I don't have time for that energy. And so, like, yeah, it's it's a very it's, for me it's a very powerful song. That's why I think I I picked it for the last one. is because it did feel like a resolve for me and it felt like a, a good closer for for an album that's about experiences and about kind of trying to muddle your way through things. And how are
0: you getting on now with your anxiety and all that?
1: Yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean like I mean like I think the important thing for people to remember is that like we live in an age where we are just constantly thrown constant like um stimulate stimulation all the time. you mm. know, like social media and like you know a, a show on Netflix coming out every twenty five seconds, um three
0: hundred channels on the TV that's the
1: thing. It's just like we we live in a more connected and a louder world at the moment. And I mm. think it's like you know i I would say to anyone that's like, you know struggling with that is that like you know you're you're doing fine and just learning to relate to yourself and being kinder to yourself is, is huge and that's not going to happen like you're not going to start being kind to yourself and then be kind to yourself every day for the rest of your life it's just not the way it works it's not binary and it's not it's not like um it's not one one way It it's just you know you know it yourself it's just some days we're harder on ourselves than others and then but learn I think regardless learning to try to be as non-judgmental as you can with that inner chatter and with that voice is like it's it's an incredible release, and that's what the chorus line is about. It's about, you know, wow, the second that I'm out of this thing, I feel like I can I feel like I can move mountains. And it's important to remember that that, that is the potential that you have, mm. regardless of where you're feeling, where you're at. That is what you can do. You can move mountains. And so the moment that you start to become mm. a little bit more understanding of yourself and you start to like, you know, you become an expert in yourself, essentially. Um,
0: Ultimately, the biggest wall to most of our decisions to do with anything as ourselves. Yeah. We'd like to blame outside influences, mm. but ultimately, it's us, isn't it?
1: I think so. Yeah, I think so. And I think just like, you know, like getting rid of the idea that anxiety and... Anxiety is a bad thing, or that it's like a, a disqualifying thing. It, every person in the world has some level of anxiety. It's just obviously there's there's different flavors and there's different you know it's different parts that make it your anxiety. It's just about understanding that because I think like I think we've gotten better about you know talking about mental health issues and talking about where we're at. But like we, as I say, like you know something like social media is actually incredibly damaging for your for your mental health. And isn't it mad as well how if someone's not posting on social media all the time? we consider them to be lazy. We consider them to be like, you know, non-interested instead of maybe they're away doing the work. They're actually living life. Exactly. They're going out and they're living their life. And like, I find it now, I've like, I've been able to sort of like redefine my own relationship with social media and I'm still redefining it. But I find like, what scares me now is that like, I've gotten out of the habit of going onto my phone and spending 15 or 20 minutes on it at a time. But I still like, if I am the second, I'm like, you know, trying to work through a problem or I feel even the tiniest bit frustrated, almost automatically my hand goes to my phone and I find my phone in my hand and I'm like, whoa, oh God, okay. Yeah. So like, there's a lot going on in the world that would make anyone anxious. And so I think it's like about understanding that maybe this is just the world that we live in at the moment and so the next thing is to learn how to understand how you live in that world and yeah. how you can how you can be healthy and happy and Create your own little universe within the universe. Exactly right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Now a question I ask every artist and I'm curious for your answer on this one. Stage or studio, which is your preference and why? Mm. Stage. And why?
1: I just love the energy of of a of a room full of people, um, and just the the. Um, I guess like it's it's so different from one night to another. Mm. There's never going to be an exactly, you know, replicated show. It's always going to be slightly different, and I kind of love the possibility in that.
0: Mm. Yeah, twenty twenty three. What's mm. it looking like for you? What's James R. gonna? hope to achieve and strive to achieve for 2023 musically uh, well, personally I suppose
1: as, yeah as much as I can really um, I'm recording new stuff at the moment um, so I'll be releasing something within the next couple of weeks and the plan is to kind of try to do a few more releases this year and see a bit more of the world and um, with my guitar on my back and yeah just enjoy it it's been a pleasure man thanks so much for coming and in and you thank you so much for having me